0: Welcome to Experts Only Podcast, sponsored by Clean Capital. You can learn more at cleancapital.com. I'm your host, John Powers. Each week we explore the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance with leaders across the industry. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to Experts Only. This is your host, John Powers. I have a really interesting conversation today with John Chimanus. John is a co-founder of Kendall Sustainable Infrastructure and has a deep background working, developing hundreds of millions of dollars of wind projects in Edison and uh, then launching Kendall and really focusing on the commercial industrial space for solar. You know, he we talk about sort of where the industry's been and wh- where it's going. And we're also doing this interview in the middle of current pandemic. So, you know, getting a sense of how we sort of should be looking at the market right now and you know what adjustments we might be dealing with so i hope you enjoy the conversation john thanks so much for joining me on experts only thank you john it's a pleasure to be here so you've got a really sort of great and diverse background you went to school at villanova you know grew up in new york what first got you interested in clean energy
1: i guess it started as a kid in the boy scouts a childhood passion oh, yeah. for the environment Are you an eagle scout? i am an eagle scout i am too <laughs> oh am right too. on yeah that's funny <laughs> But it, it probably was in 2000 and 2005 when I went to business school at Babson that I was, uh, I was changing careers from running a charter school to what was next. And renewable energy just formed this perfect nexus of, of being able to do some meaningful impact as well as
0: you know work in a profitable industry. Yeah. So let's go step back, though. So Villanova, do you study education? No, I studied finance. Finance. And then decided to get to talk a little bit about the the decision to go into running a charter school. That's a that's an interesting jump. Uh, you know, I, I found that a lot of my
1: classes, a lot of my classmates were focused on Wall Street in the right. finance division of, at Villanova. And I wasn't quite interested in doing that. Uh, so, you know, I picked up some volunteer activities while I was at Villanova, uh, Habitat for Humanity, some retreats, different sort of activities like that. And um, I felt that I'd been given a lot in my life. I'd been blessed with a good education, and I thought that the the most important thing I could do to help sort of society was to give back through education. So I did a year long okay. volunteer experience, sort of a Teach for America, and then I got involved in a charter school with a couple other folks. It was a and where was that based? guy? That really uh, it was in, here in uh, in Massachusetts area, okay. in uh, in the Boston area. So most of our students were from Dorchester. And the school ended up actually being in South Boston.
0: Oh, interesting! Interesting. And what uh, was there a focus to the charter, or was it just sort of classic education?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the um, the founder of the school, who's really the, the the wrote the pedagogy, wrote the charter application itself. I was really fascinated with rhetoric in the uh, classical Greek sense of rhetoric. Hmm. Uh, so being able to advocate for yourself and to make changes for yourself through through public speak uh oh, through public speech yeah uh, so it was sort of focused on that but it was you know it was a lot on humanities it was it was a rounded around education with sort of maybe a little bit more of a bent on humanities and arts
0: yeah yeah fascinating um and so along the way you decided okay i'm gonna i'm gonna head back to business school and sort of head in a new direction was it was energy part of that or was it sort of when you got to business school that's when you started to really realize the opportunity there and what time frame is this by the way the business school yeah. So business school was 2005.
1: So I've been in the school, running the charter school for probably four years. doing So I ran yeah. all the business and operations side of it. So I've always been sort of an operations finance type person. Um, and I was lending it to the education space. The, when I went to business school, I pretty much decided that immediately I had to have a plan. And I sort of identified, I thought I could change one of two things about myself. I could change my industry. Or I could change my function. Right. Uh, I decided to keep my function, which was business finance, and I changed the industry and it, renewables. So I, I was reading National Geographic. I had a subscription at the time and I got the peak oil uh, edition. Oh, yeah. And the peak oil edition, it, it was all about, you know, t- talked all about, you know, what happens with peak oil and you know, what does all that mean? And then what are our other energy options? And inside there was a, uh, you know, they have the, um, they fold out the picture in the middle you know, of the, uh, the magazine, and it was, um, it was a wind turbine blade. And there were like 70 people standing shoulder to shoulder. And I was blown away. I said, this can't wow. be real. This is science fiction. And uh, it wasn't. And I said, this is it. So that's, that's awesome. pretty much how I got into renewables.
0: Yeah. And so post Babson, is that when you went to Edison? Post Babson joined Edison Mission Energy out in Southern California. If I, if I remember correctly, you, when you were BAPS and you sort of started an annual energy conference, like you were starting to get sort of really involved in this space.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I did. It's still running. I think it's in its 15th year or they oh, had to postpone great. it because of, you know, what we're going through right now with COVID-19. Yeah. And,
0: and, and for the, audience, the, f- the audience, I forgot to mention the beginning, we're actually recording this in the middle of the the, the crisis when most of us uh, obviously are, are, are at home right now. So um that, yeah, it's interesting. I think the whole world is sort of on pause, right? So, Yeah. Yeah. So did you actually move out to California or just stay in Massachusetts with Edison?
1: Yeah, I moved out
0: to California, lived in a sunny Southern California, had a great time.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, learned a lot, got to do some really fantastic things, um, you know, explored a lot of the country. And um, then in 2000, the end of 2011, 2012, uh, moved back to the East Coast, back to the Boston area.
0: Right. And when you were at Edison, you're mostly focused on sort of utility scale wind, right?
1: That was the bread. Yeah. That was the core of what, what I was working on. I was really in the wind energy development group there, but were you doing finance
0: specific stuff or are you doing sort of core development? I was doing more development, development, MNA.
1: We had a lot of JVs, a lot of joint ventures with other, with regional developers. Um, So I was involved in, in in kind of managing those and bringing projects across the finish line. But the neat thing was being inside of the independent power producer, which, you know, had a natural gas business, which was a legacy coal business, um, right. you know, which had a power trading business and, uh, and an FTR proprietary book and, you know, all these other aspects. And, you know, the company was great. They really allowed me to,
0: to kind of kibitz on different areas and, and learn a lot. Interesting. And so when you moved back to the, the East Coast, was it with the vision of launching Kendall? Like what was um, what sort of what, what triggered the move? And, um, you know, was it because you wanted to move out of that sort of larger infrastructure? Like what, what, what was sort of the next step? Yeah, again, speaking of, you know, economic crisis, where we are today
1: in 2020, yeah. it was 2009 to 2012, 2013 was the economic crisis uh, Gosh, the last one caused different... by the mortgages, which is a, a very different economic uh, backdrop. But living through that and experiencing that um, really sort of gave me, uh, you know, I, I started picking up, you know, little pieces of information about how the industry worked, uh, where opportunities lie, what areas weren't being capitalized on. And I just wasn't in the mindset of joining another independent power producer at that point in time. Um, I was really interested in you know, sort of taking a lot of the great things that I learned, putting on a couple of, a couple of new ideas, and then going to market. So that's sort of where the, the spark came from, you know, although I'd say you know, a lot of it was you know, time and place, right? I, that's also when I met my partner, Ken Lehman, uh, who's yeah. been working in private equity, and that's when we put together our strategy. And so, talking for a second. First of all, where does the name Kendall come from? When Ken first started working, he the, the office was in Kendall Square. <laughs> oh,
0: no kidding, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you guys but met up. Like what was the it. what was the? It's an impetus to say, okay, let's uh, let's dive in here and, and make this Kendall sustainable infrastructure. Like, was it a multi-year dating cycle, or was it something that you sort of you met over coffee and, and jump right in?
1: yeah no, I was looking at a couple of different things when we uh, were when we were starting it. I was involved with uh, a, a retail energy uh, retail energy business that was doing maybe the wholesale we call it more the wholesale and the, and the backdrop. These are of yeah. the asset management associated with uh, retail energy businesses. I had a couple of other ideas as well that I was sort of slowly fortunate enough to have some time to kind of work through, but where it, it really came together was you know. A lot of it was my background, my focus, my desire to to be in the development side, to be in the asset ownership side. And we were able to raise some capital uh, for our first fund, our initial capital for our first fund. And that that really kicked it off. But like anything,
0: you know, it took longer. Sure, <laughs> it, was, course, uh, so. it was slower than everything. The There's ever any expected. piece of advice I got when we were starting Think from One of my best friends who had started a company in Cleveland was like, whatever you think, it's going to take longer than that for sure. So just be in the mindset; it's going to take longer. So yeah. So 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 just for folks that aren't unaware, aware, can you explain what uh, what Kendall does? Is sort of what your mission is? Yeah. So
1: Kendall Sustainable Infrastructure. Uh, we are a, a fund based investor with a focus on improving improving the world through capital investments. Uh, we're focused on ownership of real assets. Uh, that create a, a meaningful need or service. So renewable energy being the biggest in the core today uh, and water is something that we're, we're actively working upon uh, right now. We, we believe that the work that we're doing is impactful, is meaningful, and you know, we're very focused on you know, both outstanding returns for our limited partners as well as making good transactions for our development partners, the people that we buy our projects from. You know, we think that our capital is creating jobs, um, that it is, you know, high paying jobs, good paying jobs and, you know, in more in generally less urban areas and, you know, meaningfully moving the economy ahead.
0: That's great. So, I mean, just from a track record, you guys have built over 50 projects, over 30 megawatts, right, in multiple states. I want to, before diving into like the the nuts and bolts of Kendall, you know, talk to me about raising that first fund. and. You know, was it, did you guys have a, a sort of a circle target? Was it uh, in your LPs, family offices? Like who are you guys raising from? Yeah, yeah. So. And this is like 2012-ish? 2012, 2013,
1: right. right. Um, the first capital came from a, a family office. A, um, I, I'd call them a, an institutional grade family office. Uh, so professionals are managing the
0: money. Right.
1: Um, as opposed to, you know, just the, the individual or the, you know, the, the, the head of the family.
0: Yeah. Based um, in Boston or? Re- or re-
1: um, maybe they have, they have some ties to Boston, but uh, based in the, let's say, generally
0: northeast. Gotcha. Right. They were a huge supporter of ours.
1: Um, from there, we were able to bring in a few other sort of smaller family offices in the first fund, as well as a, a multifamily office. Um, sort of an RIA, but but more of a multifamily office, um, and they came in with sort of a, a number of uh, of families into the fund, right? And that was that was really what Fund One was comprised of. Interesting.
0: And then, how many funds have you guys done in total?
1: So we're on our second fund right now. We've That's we closed great. our second fund a little over a year ago at the end of 2018.
0: That's great. And you guys have put, if I read right, you guys have about 150 million under under management. Yeah, right. About one
1: hundred fifty million is about what we, you know, describe the asset value of, of our portfolio.
0: Yeah, and paint a picture for the audience of sort of what your sort of classic asset looks like. Classic asset: of what we've invested in so far is a distributed
1: generation solar project, call it five hundred kilowatts to five megawatts. Off takers look like municipalities, university schools, hospitals. Some CNI, some community solar. Generally, we've got these long-term contracts. We tend to build with, you know, Tier One equipment. And I think, you know, what sort of differentiates us or where we participate in a unique way is we really do participate in late stages of development on through, you know, really the ownership space. So we've we've kind of carved out a niche of being expert developers ourselves and helping development groups that are looking to really sell projects at the NTP stage, but we get involved much sooner than that.
0: Right. And so are you seeing that space shift now as the market has continued to mature and maybe more money is looking, you know, it used to be the institutional money wouldn't come pre-COD or pre-NTP at all. Uh, but now, you know, more and more folks are, are looking there for returns. Are you, Are you seeing that shaking up your, your business model, or do you guys feel like you've got a pretty good pool of developers that you work with that, that, um, you can just rinse and repeat with?
1: Look, I I mean, uh, these are cycles. I I would call them cycles. Money comes down and money pulls back. Right. Right. And what are the, what are the factors that bring money down and pull it back? Right. Competition causes money to move deeper into the value chain. When uncertainty comes or risks come, it generally pulls back pretty quickly. Yeah, and I saw it in wind energy. I saw it in you know I've heard it described a lot in the gas industry, you know, and in solar, it certainly has some more of the institutional has theoretically come down into the distributed generation space, uh, and we've seen some competition in that. But I I do think a lot of that's going to pull back here um, with with what's gone on with the economic right. crisis. There's there's capital, but you know the risk premium for money has gone way up.
0: Right. Yeah, and I, I yeah, it's think going to be you know, really even to see the next sort of three six month bring, as uh, as as folks are are one reeling from some of their public investment losses, right? Uh, these bigger funds and figuring out, you know, our, our, we're making the argument that the, that the asset class that we're in uh, with you guys here is that uh, it's a great place to park your money because it's it may not get you the fifteen twenty percent returns that that you were hoping to get in some markets, but you know, you, you, it's a safe place to put your money. Um, It's an incredible place to put your money. I mean, it's just the
1: risk-adjusted returns are phenomenal in this sector, and you know I would expect institutional money to continue to appreciate that, to continue to buy, be buyers of long-term assets, to continue to be NTP buyers or or buyers of operating fleets. Yeah, this is just it's just a fantastic asset class that you know it's there are many utilities. You know, back when utilities you know meant something with dividends, right, right.
0: And we were talking before that the the interview a little bit about the current the current crisis we're facing both with the coronavirus but then of course the the markets and you know we've been advocating a clean capital for sort of a revisit of the sixteen oh three cash grant program the or direct cash as as the solar energy industry association is referring it to, partially because of the anxiety around tax equity uh beginning to dry up uh not because as um Uh, Not people interested in, but just because a lot of companies are not going to be making profits to be paying taxes on. So, are you guys? Are you guys? How are you guys looking at sort of the next the market in the next six months um, as you're thinking through some of the deals in your pipeline? Sure. Well, we're also big
1: advocates of the cash grant. uh, Harken back to 1603. Absolutely, I think that'd be a fantastic thing for the industry. You know, the I think tax equity, like all capital. The markets is pumping the brakes. I, I do think there are going to be profits. There are corporate profits out there, right? right? I mean, there are treasury departments, there are banks that have all held you know, stock portfolios that have all got these gains that have, you know, even though things slid, they locked in gains on the way down, right? There's a reason the stock market fell. It's because people were taking money off the table and locking right. in gains. It was up 70% over you know, <laughs> five, seven years. Right. Um, there are gains there. There will be taxes that people will pay. But I think it's the, it, it's the risk associated with it right now that is sort of holding capital markets at bay. I think this is a very different, different slowdown in the economy than what we saw previously. It's coming from different places. In 2008, there were toxic assets on the balance sheets. And banks didn't act because they really didn't know if they were going to run out of cash. Right, right, right. If what they thought were assets were actually huge liabilities or you know, were not worth anything in this instance you know the banks the capital markets they have the money it's not that they don't have the money and the interest rates are quite low but the risk associated with putting it to work is high the uncertainty of what tomorrow brings is very high so i, I think when things start to stabilize that that you know those markets are going to bounce back i'm one of the believers that those capital markets are going to bounce back pretty fast once once we see sort of a, a glimmer of hope once we start to see you know, we we pass a peak and we, you know we sort of come down the other side of I think yeah. there'll, there'll be some movement.
0: What's so, you know, to sort of look out here, you know, you've now been in the industry for, for uh, you know, basically a, a decade or more, actually more, right? if you count time at Edison. And now looking out in the, you know, I have I've sort of argue that the 2010 to 2020 was sort of the evolution of the industry. It, it was really, it nascent and hit a hockey stick. The growth has been amazing and, and phenomenal. The demand now for renewables is, no longer an environmental drive it's it's corporate america it's you know certain states have 40% of americans live in states that have 100% rpss right now at some point in the near future you know what does the next decade bring for us both as an industry and then of course you know the way you guys look at the world as sustainable investors sure yeah i mean you know going back to 05 which is when i was
1: starting you know starting the, in my look at the space it was happening in europe and it wasn't really here in the states yet i think wind was 2 or 3% penetrated and now wind is over 10 or 11 12 right. right i think actually it was the dominant it was the highest renewable generation this past year more than hydro solar is still at 1 2% maybe right so you look right. at the growth i think the growth for solar is tremendous solar has been this really interesting thing um, because it's much more visual everybody has seen solar whether you live in a city or a suburb Wind really was just in the farm country, and you know when it got close to cities, it wasn't as visual, and it was really stigmatized. You know there was a lot of uh, political bantering back and forth. Solar's been a pretty neat driver because anybody can put solar on their roof, which makes the adoption of it so much simpler. We still have a huge way to go. You know I'm a a, a tremendous believer in the electrification of the grid. I think that is happening. I mean that town by us, town called Brookline, uh, which is uh, right just outside of Boston. Yeah, You cannot put natural gas to new construction homes anymore. Right. So if you build a new construction home, you can't bring natural gas to it. So you're, you're cooking, you're heating, you're cooling. Everything has gone electric. And I think that trend is really just going to exacerbate. It's just going to continue to grow yeah. as more and more towns understand, you know, that natural gas, well, you know, some people think of it as a bridge fuel. You know, the, the methane releases are really, you know, Seventeen or twenty times worse than carbon dioxide. The tremendously worse from, uh, or maybe it's seventy-four times. Forgive, forgive my significantly tremendously <laughs> significantly <laughs> right. worse than um, right. than carbon dioxide. So, you know, we're going to see that. We're going to see the cars all coming to the. You know, electric cars are all coming. I mean, every major manufacturer at this year's auto show all had automatic uh, electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think those things continue to be drivers, and then you know, renewables just just filling in, you know, and where we're at with batteries, you know, they're not, you know, in and of themselves, batteries are fantastic. I I love them. But in and of themselves as a generation source, they're not quite, you know, economic, if you will, so to speak, put that economic in quotes. But when you start to
0: co-locate those with with renewables, you've got an incredible resource. Right. So, you know, I always like to sort of wrap up my Interview with a pretty standard question for folks. And it's, you know, as you know, as we spend a lot of time on, on your background, I think people are really interested in, you know, how leaders sort of develop in the industry, how you get into the space. So if you could go back and sit down with, with uh, a young John come, coming out of, out of Villanova, could grab a beer, what, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Hmm. I
1: think what I would say is the most important thing is to find your passion, find what you believe in identify what your strength is, what your hard strength is. Is it, is it finance? Is it accounting? Is it marketing? Is it uh, law? Develop your, your
0: functional strength and apply it to your passion. Right. That's great. That's great advice. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today at Experts Only. Hey, John. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And I want to thank the team at Kendall for helping put this together and sending over some uh, great information. Of course, our, our producer, Carly Batten, for as always, for her hard work. You can always get more episodes at cleancapital.com. And uh, as always, I hope you please send us folks that you think we should be talking to. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks. Thanks for listening in today's conversation. Find more episodes on cleancapital.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We look forward to continuing our conversation on energy, innovation, and finance with you.